Hello and welcome to GKAD. This episode we are going to be reviewing Katomelia's 2014 album Loveland. I am Jay Lee. You can call me Zero. And uh, this is GKAD. So cue the theme song. And here comes, roll the here opening comes some music. Yeah. Fading in as we fade out. Mm. Loveland, a magical sparkly world full of hearts. It's like a Candyland board, except it's all like hearts and valentines and and, uh, people making out and sexy times. And apparently spaghetti. And apparently spaghetti. Betty spaghetti. No. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What have I done? I always hated the voice in that commercial because it sounds like a really, really like deep voiced woman trying to sound cool but she's really not have you heard about Betty? Betty Spaghetti oh my god that is the most terrifying and also kind of awesome (laughs) impression (laughs) yeah you know it's it's accurate that voice was Uh terrible in that commercial I'm I'm, I keep wasting time okay so this is her seventh studio album (laughs) and we're just gonna jump right into it because we've been kind of Tangential. It's like the show hasn't even far. started yet, yes. and we've already. So let's wasted. start this with so zero. Okay, so um, overall, it's not like offensively bad. It's um, it's got its boring moments. It's got a couple of songs. It's like I'm never gonna listen to this again because there's no point. It contributes nothing. Um, but it wasn't bad actually. There were um, for the most part, there's a lot of minor key all over the album, which I love. For the most part, the drums are uh, crunchy rather than crispy, if that makes any sense. They're, you know, thicker and heavier and, and more rolling and, and not quite so, you know, because drums, they're so boring. There's no reason for them to be there. They don't even fill in atmosphere or anything. So I like crunchier drums, and I'm very, very happy to hear them on here. Um, and and another thing that really bothers me about a lot of hip-hop and R&B is uh, the overuse of wind chimes. They drive me crazy. Um, there's not an overuse of wind chimes here. There are chimes here, and I still don't like them when I hear them. Like, when I hear that sound, I'm like, okay, this song better be about magic and fairy princesses or something, because that's the only reason you would have this sound effect in a song, you know? Um, or at least something about love being magical, you know? (laughs) Then I get it. Then I'm okay with it. But it just, it's really overused most of the time. And it is still, in my opinion, slightly overused here just because I don't like it as a, as a fill. I'm more of a drum fill type person. Um, so I I would rather them not be there for most of this album, but, uh, it it is a lot less than it is on other albums. Like if you listen to Boa's second album, it's just like every other fucking song, wind chimes, wind chimes, wind chimes, wind chimes, right at the beginning. They all start very much in vogue. Yeah, it, oh, and man. so I, I'm not into it. I'm so sick of it. So when I hear it, I'm always just kind of like, ugh. But luckily, a lot of the songs, even that had them, were strong enough that I was able to kind of forget it, move on, you know, move past it, move past the hurt, and and move into and love. Heal. Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly it. Move into love land, if you will. <laughs> um, and uh, as far as the melodies on this. Um, I unfortunately think a lot of the melodic strength on this album comes from melodies that are very similar to melodies in other songs. Um, a lot of the melodic phrases, the catchier phrases in it, sounded familiar, which is, 
I mean, it's not a terrible thing. These aren't straight up ripoffs or anything like that. And it did add to kind of the, oh, this song sounds familiar, sort of comfortable feeling that I got listening to the album. So that's kind of a neutral thing. That's not really a pro or a con because, like I said, it, it, the songs kind of sound derivative as a result of that because I know for a fact I've never listened to any of these songs before. But they sounded familiar, so that's kind of friendly and it's kind of makes it accessible, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That said, the album doesn't really need to be accessible because there's not a whole lot that's artistically ambitious on this album aside from probably Dice Tojonets no Aida which mm-hmm. had this very nice, like, understated and yet still kind of grand uh, arrangement with the strings and the echoey drums. It, but the focus was on the vocals. That song was very, very powerful. It did a really good job. That was the most interesting song on the album for me. And yet it totally didn't fit. <laughs> and yet it really didn't. That's the thing, yeah. is that that's the only interesting song on the album, and that tells you kind of how the rest of the album is. That said, the rest of the album did a very good job of... Um, fitting into the types of style that people like Nami Amaro are doing right now without just straight sounding like, let's copy Nami Amaro for the whole album. Um, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, like, like um, Run Free, which I'm glad they put on there because this is pretty good. Um, that definitely feels like Hands On Me, you know, from, from Nami's Feel album. Um, overall, there's, you know, stuff like Emotion, the danciness in that was very Nami-ish. But for the most part, she sounds, you know, like, uh, well, she sounds, she sounds like her own R&B hip hop artist on this. She doesn't sound like, just like she's copying off of everybody else, which, you know, when I mentioned the derivative sounding melodies, it sounds like maybe I, I think that, and I don't, I think she sounds like Mila Arcato on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is for what it is, which is a genre that I'm not really that fond of. It's quite good. It's, uh, like I said, it's a genre that I'm not fond of. So I, I don't know how much I'm going to listen to this, but mm-hmm. it does a lot of things that I like. It fixes a lot of things that I don't like about the genre. Like, it, there are really only two songs on here that have that sort of, you know, mid-90s sexy R&B, let's do it just the same way everybody's been doing it, sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that it, it comes more to the, um, let's auto-tune it just a tiny little bit without making it sound crazy and without making it sound too rough. Let's, you know iron out the arrangement so that it sounds shiny and complete and professional. Good. Awesome. Um, but like like I said, it does the crunchy drums instead of the crispy ones. Awesome. It pulls back as far as the wind chime usage. Awesome. Um, the melodies sound familiar. Even when they're not derivative, they do sound you know, familiar and catchy. So pretty good. Yes, there are dull moments. Yes, there are songs I'll never listen to again. But overall, it it works. It, she put together a pretty solid, pretty solid record. It's not wretched. So yay, sad panda! <laughs> you made me a happy panda, relatively. <laughs> An amused panda, at uh, least. Yeah, a, a, a somewhat mildly uh, impressed and satisfied panda. <laughs> you know, like a like a seven inch penis. You know. <laughs> oh my! God. I don't know what that has to do with well, Loveland. But anyways, uh-huh. um, Bal Chica Wow Wow. Okay. <laughs> the board the board game pieces for a Loveland game would be shaped like condoms and stuff. Wow. Why not? I thought it was going to be all like, you know, like love, love, not like love. Well, yeah, love. but on, even on this album, we have stuff like love, affection, but then we also have one night only, you know? I love one night only because it sounds like it is so unapologetically old school and it doesn't really fit 
with the album, which sounds very contemporary otherwise. Mm -hmm. But they're just like, here you go. Here's this, you know, distance era Utarikaru cast off song that we just randomly liked and put on the album. You know, maybe it's because I still listen to that stuff. It just sounded Mm -hmm. boring and uninteresting to me as opposed to old school or retro. It's not quite old enough of a sound for it to be retro Mm -hmm. for me because, I mean, R&B in the States sounded the same basically from 96 to 2006. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not recovered from that damage yet. <laughs> it kind of warmed my heart in like a nostalgic, and the only reason I like this is because it's kind of hitting those kind of nostalgic notes. Mm-hmm. Not that it's an actually good song, but yeah. just that it's. I totally yeah. understand. No, it sounds like it could have been on TLC's second album. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's definitely not bad. It's definitely mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, and Crazy Sexy Cool obviously was a quality piece of work for 1996. Not sure yeah. about 2014. <laughs> So this album, um, you know, I, I, I'm very kind of torn on it. I think it's actually a really solid album. There are some really great tracks if you're a Melia fan or just a Japanese urban R&B hip-hop fan. Um, but the problem with it is that it it feels like she's kind of starting to spin her wheels because it sounds just like True Lovers. Like, it sounds like part two of her previous album. And there there really is no growth or... Like, I feel like if you shuffled both of the albums together, you wouldn't really be able to pick out which one belongs on each other. And, um, well, you know, like I said, it's a good album, but at the same time, it doesn't really bring anything to the table. And it actually has less variety than True Lovers did, which True Lovers didn't have much variety to begin with, but it did have, you know, the, you know, the anthemic heartbeat and a bit more a bit more breadth to it um but yeah I, huh yeah the album starts off really good and it kind of falters near the end like every other Amelia album i think it's true of a lot of pop and rock albums in general they put the strong yeah. tracks at the beginning because they know you're probably going to tune out by the end anyway yeah so they try to make it cohesive but i mean that's the flow for the most part mm-hmm yeah, I, I had a really hard time with this album, not because I didn't like it or not because I loved it, but just because it's it's more of the same, which I like. This is a genre that I like, and it's an artist that I like. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like... Uh, kind of the same way I felt about Love Again from Ayumi Hamasaki, in that it's like, wow, you've been here and done this, and there's really nothing new here. Mm. Um, especially over such a short amount of time. Yeah. Like, not enough time has passed from True Lovers for you to make another True Lover album. If that makes sense. No, I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. You know, and I think probably a lot of these songs were, especially judging by the presence of Lisei Tojo and No Aida, a lot of these songs probably were cast-offs from the last album that there just was enough room for, mm-hmm. um, or that they didn't know where to put it, so they ended up putting it on here. Um... I mean, obviously, yeah, there's going to be new material on here, but my guess is at least, you know, five or six of these were songs that were already ready. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, none of it's groundbreaking. None of it's, you know, none of it's crazy novel. We're not seeing, like, a different side of Melia. We're seeing mm-hmm. the exact same side that we saw last time. And mm-hmm. I actually um, uh, was reading an interview with her for excite about the album before I listened to the album and I got really excited because she started dropping all these names she was like you know I, I listened to a lot of like Drake The Weeknd Frank Ocean Faith Evans and that really inspired me and I was like oh this is going to be 
this is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be like quality R and B stuff. But then it just sounded like Melia, so I was kind of disappointed in that respect. Maybe I shouldn't have read <laughs> <laughs> the uh, interview. Yeah. No, I I kind of get that. Like um, the one, for example. Mm-hmm. It's interesting and it's atmospheric. Um, this particular genre of song often has that sort of rapped or spoken, you know, English bit in there mm-hmm. that gets that comes back. I don't think it fits in this style of song. Apparently, I'm like one of two people in the world who thinks that because <laughs> a lot of artists do this. But mm-hmm. overall, the um, I feel like the song had more gravity than we were being allowed to hear. You know, like it felt like it needed a little more power, but at the same time, like the atmospheric arrangement that was so muted, you know, and the the focus was on the vocals there, uh, kind of is, is one of the things that made it good also. So I don't know what they could have done with it to make it feel more like heavy, more interesting, more impactful. It sounded like it wanted to have an impact and it just couldn't, didn't quite get there, you know? That's like exactly, that's like the, the quote for this album, it it, it should have more impact, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. And honestly, I think um, her vocals aren't as strong here as I've heard in the past. And I think that's a problem. The strongest her voice sounds is on Lover, which you've already heard on the Envelope album. Yeah. So it's like... Mm. And, and I completely agree. I mean, the sad thing about Lover also is that... I mean, I'll never probably listen to it again because the the melody even though her voice has sort of a, a desperate longing sound to it um the, the melody doesn't have it you know so it doesn't really quite work together um yeah it, it just ends up sounding like more run of the mill pop ballad than i think it really should have been mm-hmm. um that's i that is really kind of the name of the game on this album is that everything is almost really really good Thank you for listening to GKAD. You can follow us on Twitter. I am GKJLee, J-A-Y-L-E-E. She is GK0ZER0, and the show is JPOPJROCK underscore. Until next time, I am Lee. You can still call me Zero. I answer to other things, however, like Z. Just saying. Johnny! Kokoro